We're here today with Bo Tillman, a three-time state champion and four-time finalist from Kansas, who is now working with Winning Mindset, a group dedicated to helping athletes reach their highest level of performance. Bo talks about what it was like being coached by his father, the role of psychology in achieving your potential, as well as some of the tactics that helped him on his journey to be a three-time state champion. As always, please leave a rating and review on iTunes, and let's get rolling. He taught me to get up when I didn't want to get up, when I wanted to quit. I had high goals, man. I've always had high goals. And so when I won it, I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, you guys are right. It's not the thrill of winning. It's the joy of having that personal goal and being able to achieve that and walk off the mat with your head held high and with your hand up. That just fueled my fire. And I was in every state championship match from there on until I graduated. That was when I really started doing the kind of wrestling that I was capable of. Anybody that steps in the ring and just decides to commit the entire time is a state champion in my in my book. He is a three-time state champion from Kansas, and so we're going to hear about his wrestling journey. And he's also, since then, been working, coaching wrestlers with wrestling mindset, where he focuses on sports psychology. So we're lucky we're going to hear about both those things, I think, today. So welcome to the podcast, Bo. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm thankful for the opportunity. So why don't we start at the beginning? I'd love to hear how you got into wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I've been wrestling since I was really little, you know, three, four years old, actually practicing um, but I had a big brother, right? And so I, some of my earliest memories were just watching my brother and my dad leave to go to wrestling tournaments early in the morning. And, um, I remember sitting, actually sleeping by the back door. It was still dark outside and, and just crying, thinking, I want to go take me with you. Why do I have to stay kind of thing? And I just, you know, some of my earliest memories, I just wanted to go, I wanted to wrestle. And he'd come home, he'd bring these medals and trophies and things. And, of course, I, I wanted one of those or, or more. So that that was kind of my earliest earliest memories with wrestling. Kind of, I've always just wanted to to go and compete and, and be a part of it. So my dad was the head coach for the club. Uh, he he was all the way up till, gosh, since I got out of high school, um, which would have been nineteen nine. Well, actually, about two thousand. Um, mm-hmm. I graduated in ninety nine, but uh, wrestling's in our blood. Um, it's, it's in the family. So that's that's really what started it. And I didn't have a choice because my my older brother was beating up on me at home. So. So how old exactly were you when you started wrestling? I, I was five. Um, I mean, I, I went to practice when I was probably four. Um, and then at home, you know, when we were earlier, you know, younger. But um, I, dad didn't let me compete for, for that first year or two. Obviously, you know, nowadays you can't compete till you're five or six. But mm-hmm. yeah, five years old. That's great. That's great. I um, So I, I had a different journey myself. I started in high school. And um, and went to all the camps. Did and I feel like my wrestling journey was kind of compressed a little bit into a, into a short window, uh, which I'm very grateful for. But um, but I, I do kind of I've always been a little jealous of wrestlers who got to start so young. With your dad being the coach, did he have a, a specific system of wrestling? Uh- <clears throat> yeah, I mean. My dad was old school, you know, and, and so he, he actually only wrestled two years and he started midway through high school and he was a track guy. He, he was, was a football guy. Um, back in the seventies, I think he ran like an 11 flat hundred and he never lifted a weight in his life. So, but our, our responsibilities, our obligation was, you know, 
<laughs> we come home from school, we do schoolwork, and we do we have a list of a workout, which might consist of, I mean, I'm talking seven, eight years old, you know, 50 pull-ups, uh, skipping rope for five minutes, 100 push-ups, just like, um, and those had to be done. And then we do our, our chores and he would come home. Then we'd go to practice. We'd come home from practice. We'd, we'd work out again. So, you know, he, his system was, was primarily attack style, very offensive, aggressive, um, take people to deep water, um, just outworking people. And that was a, he had a never settle mentality and it's, it's really stuck with me my whole life. So it's interesting to me, the physical regimen that he focused on. So he said 50 pull-ups, you said jump rope. Um, when, when did that kind of thing start? Yeah, I, again, I was probably six, seven, eight years old. And, and I remember I, I, I gauge, I gauge uh, kids nowadays based on things that, that I knew I could do back then. And yeah, 50 pull-ups at, at seven, eight years old and, um, you know, skipping rope for five minutes kind of thing, which I don't know what the count is, but I know in college we, we would do a thousand to 2000 jumps a day. And, Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, back then I thought I had asthma. I just couldn't breathe. So he, he taught us, you know, to work through being uncomfortable and, uh, you know, the push-ups. I don't know how many thousands of push-ups. Uh, I like hearing Kerry Colat's his uh, story because I'm like, man, him and my dad would have got along pretty good. I'm, I'm nothing like Kerry Colat, but I think we grew up in the same kind of idea and philosophy. And so, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty tough uh, training regimen. But we loved it, you know, and, and he had ways to be creative. I mean, he used to take us out. And, and run us on sandy roads for, for miles when we were seven, eight, nine years old, me, of course. And um, to us, we were having fun because we were collecting toads and, and frogs and things. So he'd put us in front of the headlights, drive for miles, and we'd be running in sandy roads and developing our legs all the while. He's, you know, he's thinking, ah, you know, we're winning state titles. And we're thinking, hey, let's catch some more frogs. So we had fun doing it, too. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I always like to ask if there was one physical, it sounds like you might have a lot of these these things to, to pick from, but was there any one exercise in particular that you feel like gave you a, a physical edge uh, or was it the combination of all of them? I think, you know, growing up uh, we had a tow rope. So we, we, he climbed, you know, we put it up in the top of an apple tree and we as kids just naturally climbed that rope all summer long. And it was a toy to us. And so climbing that rope day in, day out. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but, you know, just, you know, pull-ups and, and mainly that rope. I mean, just climbing rope every day. And, and I incorporated that into college. I took a rope with me everywhere I went when I was in college in my backyard with my roommates. And, and we, I'd climb that rope 20, 25 times a day. And, and it's just been a part of my life. So I think that's one tool that probably helped just hand strength um, and pushing through, you know, just, just pulling. Um, very good tool. That's, that's really fascinating because I have always credited ropes with my success in, in part from a physical perspective. When I was, uh, well, I, my big jump, I had a couple big jumps in my training and one of them was junior year to senior year. And I did, you know, nonstop ropes between then and, and my hand strength was dramatically different and it just, it made such a difference on the mat. You know, obviously the pulling muscles from pull-ups and, and from the ropes as well really, really helped. But I, I do remember very clearly that it was a different story when I would grab onto somebody's hands and wrists after that, after, after that kind of commitment I made. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. It's too bad nowadays you see it's more liability issues in high schools and schools where, you used to see ropes in, in gymnasiums everywhere. And, and boy, you just, it's a struggle to, to incorporate that into your rooms because it's such a risk, I guess, but uh, it's, a, it's a great tool. 
So yeah, interestingly, I, so I coached wrestling back in 2006 for one season. And then I started coaching again this past season. And in 2006, they'd gotten rid of all the ropes. And in this area, you just couldn't find any ropes in, in rooms. And now I'm not asking any questions. They, the ropes are there. They brought them back. And, and so I'm happy to have them. I remember, I remember I made a big deal about why they were gone back in 2006 and I pushed to get them back. And I was only there for a season and, and I really wasn't able, you know, we had to use pegboards and, and just do pull-ups, but, um, somehow they made a different decision. Now they, they do have a stopper at the halfway point of the ropes so that you can't get too high. Um, that's a fine compromise to me. If you go up and down, up and down, up and down, just double the double the number of times you're going to go up and down them, and that's fine. Did you do weight training? You know, did you work out with weights as part of your your high school regimen? Yeah, yeah. Um, again, my dad was he, he, they didn't grow up in the '70s with weights, but we had you know little things like um, he he built his own like tricep you know, extension thing. We had some dumbbells and some bar barbells. We did curls and things, nothing ever very heavy. Um, most of my career I traveled with, um, you know, some, some dumbbells, um, a wrist roller, a rope, a jump rope, uh, an ab roller. And, um, gosh, I'd say that's about it. I had some stretch bands, but that went with me everywhere I went. And, um, there's a lot you can get done with those tools. That's why I'm like, man, this pandemic really wouldn't have changed things for me I, although you know we had access to a right right room and yes I took weights in high school and I lifted in high school and and I played some football and other things and um so that was definitely strength is a big one too um that, that's that's very very important but yeah lifting weights was part of that that routine it sounds to me just reading between the lines that you, that you lifted in high school but that probably that didn't sound like it was as core a part of your strength program as the calisthenics were. Is that right? Yeah. And, and I'd probably say I was a little naive, you know, I, again, you have to learn to train smarter. Um, but you know, it was, it was, yeah, I lifted in high school definitely was something that um, was important, but for me also like independence in my training was probably something that kids need to learn more. And, and this is a good Testament right now with the pandemic is just being very independent in your training. And uh, the higher level you go, it's something you, you got to be able to incorporate, you know, into your regimen. And, and so I was more like, you know, run, running the ground and stance in motion for 10, 15, 20 minutes uh, kind of thing. And, and just yeah, climbing rope, push-ups, 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 pull-ups, those types of things. And just body weight exercises was a big part of what, what we did at the house. That was what we had. It was our tools. And um it really didn't get boring to me. I actually enjoyed training. I didn't enjoy cutting weight, but I enjoyed training. Yeah, I think uh, I think you've got a lot of company in that. I um, I didn't enjoy cutting weight either. <laughs> yeah, which is a term too that needs to you know we need to probably have a different interpretation of that. Was where I don't when I hear the term cutting weight or I, when I'm cutting weight, I, I almost cringe. I'm like ah, you know, it's more. It's not cutting weight. It's <clears throat> it's a discipline in your training. It's it's a lifestyle. It's it's a uh, it's part of that action plan, you know, so yeah, that's, even, that's a more positive approach to it rather than viewing it as I'm cutting weight. Cause that's, that's a negative and it's definitely just a, the thought of it drains my battery, you know? So that's interesting. So do you actively try to, it sounds like you actively look for ways in your language to stay positive. So oh, yeah. is that, is that what you're doing there? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I would say guilty myself. I try to practice that. Uh, uh, we have, I've learned that from wrestling mindset, but always, I think even in the past, just positive self-talk and trying to redirect those and little things like I will in my goals, I change, I will to, I am, I am a state champion in um, 2021 rather than I will. Cause that, that makes me feel like I'm putting it off. But if I commit to it, that I am, and I am now, um, then I have to start believing in that I build confidence or, I mean, even at my wedding last October, I got married and the, the pastor said, you know, when we were saying our vows through, through difficult times and, and whatever. And I was like, I stopped and I was like, I redirected him. I said through, through challenging times. And so I just didn't want to verbalize that because I don't view my marriage as, as being difficult, but it is probably going to be a challenge and there's a big difference. So, you know, it's, I try to practice that as much as I can. I'm not perfect at it, but it's, it's good to just try to be positive. That's, that's the, that's one of your best weapons and how you view and perspe- perceive things and, and finding gratitude and in, in stuff is very, very powerful. And it definitely takes conditioning. And I've learned, I've learned a lot of that more in detail through wrestling mindset myself. Well, you know, if you're correcting the pastor during your, your wedding ceremony, I'd say that you're doing pretty well at, uh, <laughs> at, 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 at making sure the language is positive. Yeah. That, it's, it's a conditioned thing, you know, and so that's part of it. You got to get reps and you never know. You might be on a wrestling mat. You might be getting married. You might be in a job interview or on a podcast and, and you, you know, if you can hold yourself accountable and, and just be sensitive, you don't overthink, you just be sensitive and aware to these things and, and, and believe in it, buy into it and practice it. Um, eventually maybe you, be, you become that. And that's kind of part of the goal, you know, is just be becoming a better version of ourselves. So, so it sounds like you were always serious about wrestling. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Serious. Um, yeah, just very passionate. I would call it, you know, more just, I loved it. I love, I love wrestling. I love competing and, um, love the feeling of hard work and accomplishment and things like that. Just being engaged and meeting my friends. So yeah, it's, it's, I was probably more one dimensional, you know, than, than I should have. I had to learn balance as I got older, you know, like after college and into my life and finding my identity after, after wrestling, you know, it's, uh, we talk about that with athletes sometimes, but I struggle with that myself. It was a challenge just because I've always been so one-dimensional on, on my training and, and just trying to be the best of me, I guess. Did you always have a lot of success on the mat? Yeah. I, I mean, earlier in the years, I struggled a little bit and uh, I, I've just always been very competitive. And so, you know, I really think everything changed for me probably when I was eight you know, eight years old. And, and I remember this one match wrestling a, a very well-known wrestler and, and he is today still, I mean, um, Zach Roberson from Kansas, he's, he's never lost in high school. He was a national champ at Iowa state and he's just an all around great guy. And, and at an early age, I mean, you could tell his charisma and he was winning state championships back then in 1987, 88. And, and to me, he was like a God, you know, when you're that, you're that, that little, he was a state champ in my bracket and, here we go with that fan base mentality. And, and I remember I had to, had to wrestle him. Here we go. This is, this is the guy and I, there's no way out. I got out there and I realized about halfway through the match, I was like, I, I can compete, you know, I can do this and, and I can wrestle this guy. And I lost, you know, but I was, that was success to me. And that was, it was not wins and losses. It was like, okay, you, you know, you, it took you a minute, but you performed and, um, 
I took another loss from him later in the year, and then I beat him in the state championship. And that, but the idea, that aha moment of like, okay, I can do this. You know, I, he's just a man. He's a great guy. He's a great man. He's solid, but it really put into perspective that I'm capable and that just fueled my fire. And I was in every state championship match from there on until I graduated. That's awesome. That really speaks to me about the importance of getting tough matches along the way and getting, you know, you're making it so your toughest match isn't necessarily in the state finals. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I probably am who I am today because of Zach Roberson and, and guys like Bull Mains in our state that were just at a different level and they set the bar and having those opportunities, you know, when you're in the moment, it doesn't feel like it, but you really should. And this generation, I think is picking up on it where you got to seek those guys out. You got to embrace that opportunity and, and just leave it out there and go, you know, just do your best to perform, focus on what you can control, your effort, attitude, aggressiveness, scoring points. And, and learn from that. You know, we were supposed to fail and make mistakes, but it was a great opportunity. It really was an awakening for me. And then after that, it was like Rocky four every day in my house. So <laughs> it was, sky was the limit there. But So did, what kind of coaching did you get from your dad or from other coaches in, that helped you with that mentality where you were able to recover from that and you were able to realize, you know, get it, learn a good lesson from losing to, to such a great athlete. Um, were you given positive encouragement? Were you, were, did they have a specific type of coaching style from that stance? Yeah. Yeah. You know, back then we didn't have, I mean, we had video, those big VHS cameras, yeah. you know, actually they were beta tapes, but uh, so we didn't have a lot of film that we actually sat down and, and did film and, and stuff. But um, we had textbooks, you know, we, we would like read out of textbooks, the Carl Adams books and things that are trying to be picture perfect in our technique and, and do it at, like the image. So, you know, we, we, I think just the idea of we're so close to, to being where we kind of want to be right now mm-hmm. and just pushing further and going across that line, you know, as far as our work ethic and maybe our game plan, it didn't necessarily change a whole lot, but we just knew that if we stayed after it, um, and thing, good things could happen at, at that time. So my dad was, he loved this very much and he was, he was probably, you know, his, his idea in my perspective on on feedback from him was probably a little harsher than what his was because obviously it was all in love and fun but you know sometimes that that dad dynamic I don't care who you are uh, I hear it all the time but that's a tough situation no matter how tight you are and um, it can add pressure and it can add you know maybe I fear making mistakes or I feel um, I fear like failure and things like that or disappointment yeah. and so that that was something but I don't think it was intentional, but as far as his teaching method, it was just hard work and his feedback was a little more tell it how it is. And my perspective was more, I'm probably a little more sensitive, you know, so that was one thing we could have done better at was communication. I see. I see. When being my dad and the head coach is like, I also never had the opportunity to get away from it, even though I loved it, it never really shut off. So that's, that's tough for kids. And I experienced that myself. Did you have other coaches in the room who other voices in the in the wrestling room from that perspective or was it all your father? Yeah, I think we did. We had some coaches. We had some pretty good coaches, you know, and then growing up, a um, couple that wrestled at K-State back in the day, which I had no idea till later, really. And I didn't realize these guys were hammers, but they kind of just 
you know, pretty laid back and quiet and observed a lot and were there to support and in the support group, the, the kids and, and the community, everyone was always very supportive. Um, but we were pretty tight. I mean, it was most of my direction came from my dad, but I was always just trying to be, you know, open-minded to, to things and suggestions and then just incorporate into my style, I guess. Yeah. So when you see, um, and I'm going to jump ahead here for a second to some of the stuff you're doing right now, probably, but when you see a kid today who's coached by his father, do you have any red flags about that? Are there any, are there any, um, do you have concerns about, about that when you see it in general? Well, it's just a tough situation really, because again, I call it the dad dynamic and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging when there, the communication breaks down, you know, if you don't have a way to, to let your, your dad know, your coach know that, you know, when you yell at me or you raise your voice, even though you're trying to be productive, I shut down mm-hmm. and that causes fear. And it causes me to, to, to hesitate. And um, it, it makes me view S and S as, as being nervous rather than being excited. And so, and, and it, inadvertently those things happen but if you don't have a communication method which our system with wrestling mindset we we have something specific to that um when the communication barrier breaks down then it's really challenging to um to 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 help mold that and fix that and and have enlightenment is really the biggest thing is enlightenment because maybe my perspective as an adult is different than that of a child's 10 12 14 16 years old maybe even in college um, but we also remind our, our athletes and clients that on both sides, like primarily the, the athlete, if if things don't change, how will you handle that? You know, what can you do? And that's life. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if you have a teacher that maybe you, you just don't see eye to eye with, they're probably not going to change just because you say you prefer to be teach this way. So it's up to you to to make those adjustments and do the best that you can. So having an action plan is really what we try to help with on both sides. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, so can you speak more about enlightenment? You used the word enlightenment a moment ago. What do you mean exactly by enlightenment? Yeah, it, it's so I've had a situation. I've got a 12 year old daughter and um, she's a great kid, you know, and but she's pretty she can be an introvert sometimes. And and she may view like my perspective or my response in a different way than when I'm and she'll surprise me like you know, you, you were mad at me. And I'm like, whoa, no, I, I wasn't mad at you. I'm just reminding you that um, this is how we want to try to do things. And so her perspective was different based on my reaction, which wasn't wasn't anything inappropriate by any means, but it's a pretty soft spoken, you know, all around. She, uh, you know, so just kids in general. And so the enlightenment part is like, okay, I didn't realize that when I show you track wrestling on my phone and I talk about those opponents in your bracket, that that makes you nervous. And so, yeah, dad, but see, I, as a, as a, as a kid, how do I tell my father that sometimes, how do I tell my coach that? Cause I don't want him to be disappointed or mad or, or something like maybe you're warming up before a match and you know, you like to rub your athlete's shoulder. Your dad's always kind of like, you know, shaking your arms out, smacking you around and you don't like that. But how do I, how do I communicate that without hurting, hurting feelings or feeling like maybe he'll be disappointed in me. So the enlightenment part comes from them engaging in the exercise and seeing ways to communicate better. And, and as, as wrestling coaches, you have to know your individual athletes very, very well. Um, I've 
you know, read and heard stories about Gable, who was big on that Dan Gable, who just knew his athletes very well. He did his research mm-hmm. all the way back to, to kids that were in high school and, and maybe beyond that, but talking to parents and coaches and things. So he, he could know his athletes and what buttons to push and how far to push and this and that. So, um, that's where the enlightenment part comes in. It's just the, just an understanding of knowing people a little better and knowing their perspective rather than what you, what you view as their perspective. Fascinating. Fascinating. So it sounds like you growing up in wrestling, maybe didn't have all of those same tools that you've learned about now. Um, and you've, but you were still able to find great success in your, in your career. Um, if, if you were to boil down your wrestling growth, you know, and, and, and highlight, you know, some of the key things that, that allowed you to go from, I think you were second in the, in the state as a freshman. Is that? As a junior. Yeah. As a junior. Oh, junior. Okay. So, so you wanted as a freshman and, and can you just tell us what, what weight classes were you at? I wrestled uh, 103 and 119, 119. And I went up to 125 my senior year. If you were to boil down your success to, you know, one or two things, just, starting with your freshman year, you know, what, what would it have been? Um, I really think for me, you know, I was pretty naive, but, you know, in high school, I think for me, it was really just work ethic and doing more, you know, my, I tell guys now, like with, even with quarantine, um, I enjoy practice. Practice was a big part of my development and just having fun and engaging with people. But I really practice was an opportunity an hour a day or 45 minutes a day for me to, to practice what I've been practicing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was three a days all the time and I would skip lunch or, you know, not skip lunch, but leave for lunch hour my senior year and go work out. And, and I had mm-hmm. uh, at COE where we would leave and I had my senior year go and like, where we would go work. And then um, in between work and practice, I was working out before practice. And then I'd come home and, and get some tea or whatever and, and something to eat. And I'd go work out again. I'd pass my geometry teacher in the morning. He was a cross country, all American five in the morning in Kansas when it's 20 degrees outside and say, Hey, what's up teach, you know, and we're running and things. And so just doing, just doing more, you know, than other people. And I think for me, that was my way of um, overcoming pressure and maybe just the confidence, but, you know, just outworking people and you know, the fear of fa- failure, fear of fatigue, I was beating that up just by training really hard, which I was young enough that I could recover by doing so. And I learned when I got older that I can't train like that. And, and so that was probably my best asset was just, you know, just trying to outwork people. And so that helped with my mentality, um, a gas tank and just belief, belief in myself and having no regrets that, you know, I've done everything that I could. There's just nothing else more. I feel like I could have done maybe, maybe nutrition was the biggest thing too, that, um, I just didn't know, you know, our, our method was different and it was, it was not, not right. You know, weighing food and I knew nothing about nutrition and it was old school, you know, things have changed. I'm, I'm thankful for that, for our, our wrestlers in America and in the world, but that was a big thing. A big jump in college. It took me two years to really figure out how to eat, how to, how to recover, how to feed and fuel my body. And, and I just couldn't, you know, I had to level up. So that was another thing too, is, you know, one thing I learned the hard way was you got, you know, two things, mindset and nutrition and nutrition's huge. And you, you got to figure it out. You got to do your research. 
So I'd like to jump for a second to what you're what you're doing now. So can you talk to us a little bit about what is wrestling mindset? You know, what is what is the work you're doing these days? Yeah, wrestling mindset is um, well, it's winning mindset. Our our foundation started with wrestling. It's it's made by wrestlers, Ivy League wrestlers, Gene and Jeff Zanetti, and um, um, you know, it's it's really geared around a systematic approach. Um, our goal is really to maximize your potential on and off the mat, you know, so you just success in life, but using sports as a tool, as a vehicle to help us um, learn and condition to work through tough situations, challenging adverse moments, whether it be confidence, um, relaxing under pressure, uh, nervousness, you know, injury recovery, sleep. Um, gosh, we talk about mental toughness, motivation, clarity in your offense, communication there's just uh, anything you can think of when it comes to mindset that's which is you know everyone has a little bit of something we call it red flags where you, you know maybe you're a practice room wrestler or uh, you choke in big matches maybe um you you give opponents too much respect you know that fan base mentality you stereotype uh uh maybe you fear of fatigue fear of making mistakes fear you know pressure those types of things so those are all red flags that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you everyone has them uh, but our job is to help, you know, bring those to the surface, figure out what they are and develop action plans and, and, and do the exercise. We write these things out. We have a curriculum and worksheets and um, we go through that, create those action plans. And then it's kind of up to you to, to get repetition. We we stay with them. You know, we work with our athletes, but it's it's really just, um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time. Like I said, I work ethic. We spend a lot of time physically training. And drilling, I mean, drill, 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 drill till you can't, you don't want to drill anymore. 10,000 reps to reach mastery. Um, we, wrestling is 90% mental. Why aren't we training more on the mental side of things? And that's really where the Zanettis jumped in and said, look, we got to, we got to do something to help people because this is huge. And um, confidence is confidence. So these same things that kids are experiencing, they don't just go away. That's, that's who they are. And, and sometimes when you're taking a big test or a job interview or, or, Asking a girl out on a date, a prom, getting married—I mean, you name it. These things come up. You you experience these feelings, and then how we cope with that and and move forward is really—it's not just wrestling. So it's mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty special what they've done, and so I'm all in. So I've talked to a lot of wrestlers and a lot of athletes, and you wrestler might not know why they're nervous. They might not know, you know, they might not know kind of what's going on internally. Uh, they'll talk to their coach, and the coach will just say. You just got to get out there and do it and you got to get out on the mat and get more mat time and then the butterflies will go away and you'll get over these feelings of nervousness. Do you think that's good advice? Well, I think that it's it can be accurate, you know, because, you, yes, by, by putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, you, you develop mental toughness. But, you know, that might take years and maybe you've got a tough schedule and you continue to, you know, maybe you go. 15 and and 40 or something and, and you, you just can't ever really get over that hump and you're stuck in win-loss columns and things and so I agree like a lot of kids really they, they recognize SNS as nervousness but we teach them to kind of condition and think like what's your new interpretation maybe it's now you're activated or you're excited or you're pumped uh, rather than viewing it as a fear thing and so um, they recognize it but that's sometimes as far as it goes they don't know why and, and, you know, let's, let's figure out why it is. So, uh, well, this guy's a state champion. Okay. Well, and then we kind of take them down the path and teach them how to, how to work through the next steps, which might be 
you know, four or five exercises. So, um, yeah, you have to you have to bring it to the surface and figure out what it is. Face it. Go in that dark place and face it and, and then have an action plan and then start believing in it and reinforcing it and conditioning your, yourself in those moments. But you definitely can't shy away when you're wrestling. You, you got to get out there or, you, you know, you just quit and you, you're done. And we don't we don't want to do that ever in life. But mm-hmm. it, it's uh, yeah, I think the big thing with that also is, you know, you'll figure it out. Well, that's that's part of what's so special about what the Zanettis have done is that we have a system. How do you teach confidence? Just go out there and be confident. You know, you need to get, you just need to get tough. And, and sometimes you can grit it out and you can figure it out. But I spent years, most of my career trying to figure these things out on my own uh, and maybe reading books and, and searching for those answers. But it's amazing how quickly they've spelled that out with a systematic program that says right here, this is, this, this is what it is. And, and these are the steps on how to face those situations. So you can figure it out. Some people figure it out quicker than others, but uh, I hate I'd hate to see a kid go four years and miss out on having a lot of fun by trying to figure it out on his own just by getting out there. Can you give any um, any anecdote or just any story about let, let, something that we can all relate to? You know, a wrestler's got to face a let's say a two time state champion, and they you know they're they're heading to to wrestle them. They don't you know, they don't have that kind of great track record themselves. They've never won a huge match, but they're very capable physically. They are, they should be able to go toe to toe with this, this accomplished wrestler. What, what might you do to prepare that wrestler to do well? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And, you know, we hear those types of situations a lot from kids that they do experience that. And, um, you know, there's a lot to it, really. Uh, deep breathing is a big one. Like you got to breathe, man. And uh, but really focusing on your objective. You know, those are prey thoughts. Yes, we we get it. He's a state champion. He's a two-time state champion. There's nothing we can do about that. You are where you are, but um, you focus on your effort. You focus on your attitude and your aggressiveness. And um, one of our managers, uh, Jay Connor, he talks about. You know, one time he said. Uh, just, you know, go out there and, and just beat this guy up. We're not worried about maybe technique and things or scoring and winning and losing. Just go out there and beat him up. Be a hammer, heavy hands. And if I'm focused just on that and I stand up to this person or this this idea, uh, this this state champion, then and I can do that and feel good about it, then win or lose, that I should be okay with it. And then I can learn from any mistakes I made or or whatever. But and and I see firsthand, Hey, I got to finish my takedowns. I I've got a mat return this guy, or, mm-hmm. you know, if I had just um, come up off bottom um, or got a hand control or kept my hands out, then, you know, it might've been a little different. I might've been within two or three points and I finish a takedown and, and I can hang with this guy. So it really, the big thing is not worrying so much or focusing on the distractions of, of status and things on paper and the abilities and size and school and all that. But what can I do and what, uh, what, what, what's, what's my objective here? Right. It's, it's yes, we want to win. Yes. We're competitive. We're, we've never as a company ever thought that, you know, don't worry about winning, just go out there and wrestle. But um, believe me, I'm, I'm very competitive. I hate to lose, but sometimes we have to kind of like put those things aside and think, okay, I just need to go out there and do what I do really well and uh, practice what I've been doing. I've trained so hard. I'm not going to let fear take away from my passion. And so, 
uh, for me, again, you got to, there's a process of recognizing things, you know, breathing, staying in a routine. If you're focused just on your routine and not those distractions, you're staying in the present moment. Mm. So if I'm focused on the different dynamics, my breathing, my stretching, my warm up, my hand fighting, my music, the things like that, then I'm not worried about draining my battery and what's going on over here. And I'm going to probably come out, you know, less tight also. So there is a lot that goes to it, but in a sense of your faith, I mean, sometimes for me and my analogy personally is sometimes I just got to put things at God's feet and say, you take the wheel, you got this win or lose. I know something's great. Great is going to be on the other side. And I have to believe that. And so that's, that's one way that I cope with situations that are, are tough going in and it that helps put me at ease and at peace. And then I put my head down and I go. So. That's great. That's great. Uh, you know, for me, one of the things that resonated with winning mindset was the work you guys do uh, to uh, that focuses on reducing fear of making a mistake. So from my perspective, I know that my best results in wrestling and a lot of other things in life really come when I don't, for however I manage to do it, I free myself of that fear and I, and I act, you know, I, I fall back on my training, whatever it is, I know that my best results come when I don't have this fear of making a mistake. And I feel like that's a really big part, it seems, of wrestling mindset. Yeah, that's a that's a common a common theme, you know, it, with with wrestling mindset, I think. And any athlete really is, especially at, at any level, you know, we work with all levels, world team, Olympic team, uh, D1 athletes. And so, you know, I've I've, uh, I've been at this level before. What if I don't live up to that expectation again? Or, um, you know, I, I'm better than this guy on paper. What if I lose or what if I get taken down or I get scored on? You know, this guy's a stage. It works both ways, right? And so uh, I think if you recognize what those pressure situations are, what those fears are specifically, you know, and just knowing what they are and setting your own expectations really for yourself and just competing, um, first thing is, is knowing what they are and then creating a, a coping strategy for that and, and having a process, having a routine. And, and really, I think, uh, you know, those are all natural, common things. Like you can't feel alone in that situation. That's, that's one thing too, is that it's okay, you know, and, and that's normal, but how we deal with it, how we cope with it is really what's important. And everybody wants to go out. Maybe that's, maybe that's, the ultimate test is being able to go out there and be at ease and compete like you do in practice and not, not worry, have fun, open up, get in a flow, get in a zone. And, and when you get there, it feels great. Uh, if you can be there all the time and live in that world, man, that's, that's awesome. You know, that, that, that's gotta be so great. Um, I've been there before myself and maybe I strive to get into my sweet spot, you know, and, and if I can get really good at feeling really good so that I can compete good, Maybe that's part of that as well. So peaking weekly, peaking daily, peaking in competitions, but it's a process of knowing yourself very well and the things you need to do to help you feel good so that you can compete good. Uh, that's probably something that people should pay more attention to. Everyone's different. So in part of your curriculum with winning mindset, do you do you focus on a system where you're you're aiming for the peaking? Is that is that part of your uh your goal is to help influence the wrestlers so that they can plan to peak at the right time. Yeah. I mean, peak performance, we have different phases, right? And so it's a year program, but there's different phases, obviously, just like your training. And so we have peak performance uh, sections and different times of the year that we, 
we may focus on different aspects of, of competition. And so, you know, big moments, um, fan mentality, big competitions, uh, just different stresses and pressures and fears. And yeah, so we, we definitely have a system where um, we want to get to that, that point where we can address these things. And we don't have to wait necessarily until that time to start talking about it. We can start getting repetition even now talking about it. But we do have a, a, a certain section of material in our curriculum that focuses on that type of information. Uh, so I've got kind of a um, offbeat question, but do you do any advocacy of meditation, you know, formal meditation in practice? Is that is that a part of wrestling, of winning mindset? Um, yeah, yeah, we have a section, um, like, I, I believe it's present moment where we, we talk about deep breathing. And um, I mean, it's kind of a, a proven form that, that, that would, you know, breathing deep, quieting your mind you're not focused on things outside you're not even focused on your necessarily your breathing and, and relaxing you're just being you're just relaxing and so you know incorporating ways to be able to do that uh, to meditate and and I, I actually when people there's a difference between um, relaxation and visualization I think people get confused with that sometimes where you know visualizing is great watching film is great I mean you should be doing that all the time um, sometimes people will visualize before they go to bed, uh, maybe the night before competition. And what I what I think is, is what I feel and what I've experienced myself is that sometimes that can take you down a path where you're not getting rest because you, you're causing anxiety and uh, maybe a little bit of, of nerves by trying to control an outcome rather than just focusing on clearing your mind, staying in the present moment and just just kind of being relaxed, you know, it's where it's just. Um, there's nothing really, there's nothing there that I need to be worried about. I'm just recharging my battery, recharging my mind. So you know, we talk about ways you can do that at tournaments, before tournaments, during, you know, at school, um, during a match. How do you relax and recharge your, ba your battery during a match? Interesting. Um, yeah. So it's, we do, we have exercises where we talk about that kind of thing. Fascinating. Fascinating. So, um, how can people work with winning mindset? Yeah, it's a really simple process. I mean, you, we've got our website, you know, you go, go online, find us there. And um, we have newsletters that go out. Um, you, you basically would submit an inquiry for a, a trial or um, some material and, or to speak with a manager. And we, we would follow up and, and we have a lot of free content that we pump out that people just, a lot of people take advantage of, but I don't think they realize it We're really helping a lot of people. And it's, it's not about, money really i mean we just want to help in life and in school and this is a big thing so you know just inquire uh, sign up for a free trial and um you know if it's a fit you know one you can learn some information speak with a mindset coach or a manager and um take some notes if it's a fit and something you feel like you want to incorporate into your training regimen that you want to do consistently which was would be my recommendation you know just because with anything you have to be consistent um one time it's just really hard to get it done. But at that point, then we make that recommendation. We find a coach that's compatible with you and your sport um, and your personality. And then you have your curriculum, uh, you print it off and we, we, we meet when it's time, when it, well, the best time for you to meet. And, and we developed a, a really deep relationship that uh, is pretty special and, and go from there really. So yeah, just got to sign up and choir and we, we go, we hit the ground running. I know you work with teams and, and you have, you, you sometimes have engagements where you work with an entire team, I think. 
And then do you also work with wrestlers one-on-one? Oh yeah. 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 We, we're both, both. Uh, we actually do academic mindset as well. We have spiritual strength. So we, we touch in every area, teams, individuals, academics, all sports, all areas. So if, somebody, if somebody just to, to maybe walk, walk me through for a second, how, how it really looks. If somebody wants to, you know, they've got, they're very ambitious. They want to get to the next level. They, they feel like they would benefit from winning mindset and they go all in. Are you meeting with that person, that wrestler once a week, every day, once a month? How does that, how does that look? Yeah. If you're all in, you know, it's, it's pretty common that we go with a gold program where it's weekly and that's just like anything in our, our training. If, if I'm not moving forward, I'm moving backwards. And so you, you got to be persistent and, and engage frequently. So yeah, it's once a week um, with your coach over the phone with teams, it's virtual and which fits really good right now because we're doing webinars with people um, and individuals that are at their houses. So our team stuff's really picked up. Whereas, uh, you know, we don't have to meet in a group now, you know, and so we've adjusted as a company where we can do webinars um, like this podcast and things. And so meeting of the minds where we're helping out. But yeah, yeah, the individuals over the phone, teams um, through Skype or Zoom, Google Hangouts, it's, it works pretty well. Well, I really appreciate the content you're putting out. I think that maybe how we originally found each other. Uh, yeah. You know, I really like the stuff you guys put out on Instagram. It's all really great. I encourage everybody to to follow uh, Winning Mindset, uh, you know, on, on Instagram and, and anywhere else you guys are, um, you know, because you do put out really good content. Is there anything else you want to you want to say just to, you know, as, as we're, we're nearing the end here and any any other points you want to make for wrestlers who want to get to the next level uh, this this coming year? You know, I yeah, I might say for for everybody in this position that they're in, understand that we're all wrong in the current situation. And then you talk about Fargo being canceled here just recently. Yeah. Um, you know, it it is what it is. That's uh that's it's definitely a challenging situation, but um it's not an all or nothing thing and that doesn't define who we are. And it's a great opportunity and we love those those events, but we have to maximize um our time and, and what we're doing and continue to push forward. And that really is life you know and so we're going to have those hiccups and things and adverse situations but we we can't stop we can't look back we have to find ways to get better and um you know just be a student of the game be independent in your training find a way you know it's not why me it's how can i in situations just like that and what's the next best thing when we talk to high high level athletes that uh excuse me high level athletes that go through these similar situations they are they move right away to what's the next best thing what can I be focused on? And if I don't have resources, I find them or I make them. And um, that's that's probably, you know, just maximize your time. And especially when you when you the one thing that I really hope it, it, that that happens is that we we learn gratitude from this situation. And when we get into practices and we get into competitions and things and when things get back to normal, which I'm going to say they are, you know, at some point. So. We just can't forget and start getting back into that mind, mindset of, oh, I hate practice or I don't want to go today or this sucks and I, I hate cutting weight and this is no fun. I don't like my coach or whatever it is. You know, I, we got to got to take a step back and stay in that moment of gratitude and just loving what we do and embracing it and just being appreciative of those things and taking advantage. So really maximize your time when you have those opportunities, because you just never know when 
it could be your last. So, uh, and that's kind of life too. If you live your, your life every day, like it's the last day of your life, then you're going to find gratitude in, in everything, not just, um, you know, the, the day-to-day stuff. So I think that's a great message, really positive. And, and I agree with you. I think we're going to return to normal. I'm not sure exactly how, how quickly everywhere in the country will return to normal, but I, I'm, you know, I'm sure it'll happen. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic as well that, that there will be uh, gratitude and an appreciation for the things we have, you know, it's so, you know, probably barely anyone would have predicted any situation like this. And, um, you know, it does make you realize the things that you've got in your life that are wonderful. And uh, uh, I think that is a big part of living a happy life. Yeah. Yeah. You got to stay in the present. You know, we can't control the future. We can't live in the past. But we stay in the present moment and maximize that the best we can, which is it's not easy. It's not always comfortable, but it's, I think it's necessary. You know, and so we have to recognize that. I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bo. This has been great. You've shared a lot of wonderful insight with wrestlers. I know that uh, people are going to benefit a lot from hearing your perspective. And in, in your case, they're going to hear a lot. They're going to benefit a lot if they if they learn more about winning mindset. So thanks again for your time here. Really appreciate you joining me on on this episode of Backpoints. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Backpoints today. If you want to support the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you find the show. Also, it helps us if you give the show a rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Feel free to also make a donation via Patreon at patreon.com backpoints. Thanks and see you next episode.